0: I wrote this thing, I hope you like it, let's
1: talk about it, yeah, let's lose track, losing the plot podcast, losing the plot podcast, losing
0: the plot podcast. Talking
1: Leo X. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Losing the Plot I'm your host Leo Robertson and roughly every week or so I find a new artist they're usually a writer, they don't have to be I talk to them about their work, I talk to them about their life we talk about anything and everything, we lose the plot together hence the title of the show So what I'm going to do now is explain uh, a little bit about this guest and how I know them and then I want to say a little bit about uh, what's been going on with me lately and uh, I'll explain why I'm doing that and and I hope all the reasons for that are clear. So our guest this episode is S.C. Burke. He uh, is a writer. He has two books out with his own press. His own press is Nihilism Revised. Those books are Id Cancer and The Weird. They're both excellent. They're beautifully put together. They're crazily original, wild, uncontrolled, uh, beautiful writing and I strongly recommend that you check both of those out. So S.C. Burke and I connected on Facebook in September of this year, I think, and I said hey and, you know, assumed that he'd connected with me because he's networking with all the kind of authors that are on Facebook and I do the same thing, reach out to people, you look interesting, blah blah blah, hi. Let's keep in touch. Soon after that, uh, he posted on his Facebook that he was in the hospital after his second heart attack at the age I believe of 32 and that Blew me away because in his post he wrote that um, he explained everything that had been going on and then said that he never felt more alive. And I was really inspired by how quickly he turned around his own life circumstances into something that to me was inspirational. It wasn't that he did it for those reasons, uh, but that's just the effect it had on me. So I got in touch with him. I said, uh, oh, no, wait. So I didn't get in touch with him straight away. Uh, though I did feel all of those things about that post. But the 1st of October, as you may or may not know, is the date that my dad suddenly passed away. So a few days after that, I think, I remembered S.C. Burke's post about how he was turning his the tragedies that had affected him into something that was useful to other people. And it worked. It just reminded me that that's how you're supposed to take these life events So I reached out to him and I said hey we don't know each other very well yet but I just have to tell you that this thing has happened to me and uh I thought of your post and it really inspired me at a time when I most needed it or something to that effect I mean I, I Jesus I don't remember now after everything that's gone on in the last two months but uh he wrote back to me and was very kind and it seemed like we had uh an instant rapport and I knew that this was someone special and uh I bought his books and I read them and, you know, as is the theory of this podcast, people who are interesting, insightful, empathetic and so forth are probably also good writers, great artists and also probably people that I would like to have a conversation with and in this case I was definitely correct. And uh, so S.C. Burke reminded me that in times like this it's very important to set an example um if you can i mean it's not the main takeaway from all of this the main takeaway is just to look after yourself and do the best but if you have spare energy or if people you know remember that people are watching and could use inspiration and so i have for better or worse sometimes depending on who i've been talking to on this podcast been using it as a type of grief journal and um that's not something that everyone would do with their own podcast, and some people would not do that, and some people aren't me, and this is my project, so that's what I did with it. And uh, so then I want to say here that yesterday was my birthday, because I'm recording this on the 14th of December, because I'm off on holiday now, and i finished work, and um, yesterday being my 30th birthday, and it having been about two months since my dad passed away... My body took in all of this information and made me crash and that's okay because there's been so much to do uh, that I haven't you know that I don't even want to bore you with but things like flying around for my dad's memorial going to see him in the hospital helping with the funeral arrangements all of this stuff there's not been much time for actual grieving and maybe that's when this starts but the reason I'm telling you is not to make you feel bad it's just in the interest of full disclosure as much as possible um parts of this cannot be disclosed grief is something that is so private that a lot of it just has to be done in private but i'm making as much of it open source as possible so that you maybe bear this in mind if something like this ever happens to you that's kind of my goal of being honest about this is to remember that if it's god if it's 2 months later and you're thinking you know, Leo was at this party and I saw a picture of him smiling, Uh, I want to let you know that it takes, like, a minute to smile in a photo and I probably cried before I went to that party. (laughs) I'm just telling you that so that you are reassured that this takes time and, you know, I've been doing every single thing I can possibly do to avoid that kind of thing happening. I've been talking about grief with people who have been in similar situations on the podcast, I've been leaning on my network... And, uh, you know, I've lost somebody before and I've used all of that experience and I still could not avoid this happening. It's just the way it is. I'm telling that to myself and I'm telling that to you. And, uh, maybe none of this means anything to you right now, but it may mean something to you later. And that's why I tell you. And I tell you in the context of this episode, because I've just explained how I know S.C. Burke. So I, I'm pretty sure he won't mind. And, uh, our conversation is my last creative gift to you of 2018 so I hope you enjoy it and uh, thank you so much for listening so far and see you again in 2019 when I will reach episode 100 at some point. Uh, will it be you? Do you want to chat to me for episode 100? Will you be so lucky? Who knows. Um, but I have a list of people I want to interview in 2019 and if you want to be on that list, uh, you can always get in touch with me using the at gmail.com. I look forward to hearing from you That's enough intro nonsense uh, from me So without further ado, here is my conversation with S.C. Burke I hope you enjoy You're, okay, where are you in, in, in America? Uh, I'm located uh, on the western side in a, in a
0: state called Utah mm-hmm. uh, It's a small town, Salt Lake City, Utah um. Yeah, it's uh, about two states away from California. Coming in from the 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 uh, West Coast. Is that where
1: you're from? Uh,
0: yes. And I moved to Las Vegas. I grew up in Las Vegas uh, for most of my life, and then moved back um, to Utah later on. So, mm-hmm. I've been living here for probably about ten
1: years. Okay. Did anything yeah. in particular bring you back?
0: Um, it was, uh, medical issues. Uh, the facilities here are a lot more uh, educated, a lot more advanced. So, and then just, just, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Las Vegas, but it's, it's a very, uh, seedy town. Mm-hmm. So uh, the real life, the real life sin city. So, um, you know, just, just living there was really chaotic and full of, uh, potential for to, to fuck up life and, you know, take other avenues that were probably not, not the best, uh, you know, paths of violence and, and such. So yeah, I came here just to mellow out. It's a, it's a more mellow, uh, environment here.
1: Okay. Fair enough. No, I'm, I, I figured, I didn't figure that Las Vegas itself, you know, the whole city was like that. I thought it was just going to be a small area and it wasn't. <laughs> no, it's pretty, uh, uh widespread, but it's, it's a place of you know that fiction is made of,
0: you know. It's like it is in, in the movies. It's very uh, gaudy, very gl- you know, glitz and glamour. Um, but then you know, behind it all is, behind all all, all of the eye distracting, sex candy, uh, neon lights is, is the seedier side. You know.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, how did you end up there?
0: Um, my my father and uh, his side of the family lives there. And uh, growing up here in Utah, I started to get into a lot of trouble with fighting and such. Um, and so I became a bit of a handful as a child for my mom to handle. So she sort of, uh, you know, shipped me off to live with my father, who was, a, a, you know, a hardened man. Uh, he rides, uh, uh, you know, motorcycles. He's, he's one of those guys. He's, he's the typical American man-man. Mm-hmm. And uh, so... She sent me to live with him, who you know had more of a, a disciplined lifestyle, and um, so yeah, it was more to tame me as as a, as a
1: child. Hmm. How do you fare? Are you are you a man's man like your dad, or? Um, <laughs>
0: that's kind of a, I don't know. Um, I wouldn't say so. I, I, I'm definitely uh, more liberal more open-minded about a lot of things um he's more red-blooded about things I, I i definitely have the more artistic soul about me definitely more open-minded um towards a lot of uh, uh political and social views versus uh, uh his stances but um i mean uh, uh that you know i'm still a man i still do those things that, that men do I, I'm, an, I'm an aggressive individual at times when i'm uh sort of stoked by, you know, when people sort of poke me in those, those ways, I uh, I do become, you know, angry and aggressive, like, like a man. But other than that, I'm, I'm a very calm individual. Um, you know, uh, you know, as a teenager, I went through a phase where eyeliner and, uh, a uh, long hair was a thing. So, mm-hmm. uh, it was, you know, a whole fashion that I took up. So to say I was a man's man is, Wouldn't be putting the the finger on the button, but I am still uh, a product of of his genetics, you know, Mm -hmm. his upbringing. Um, His views growing up, uh, I had to fight a lot of those perceptions, you know, especially as a teenager in the coming of age years where you question everything. Uh, He was a man that was brought up to believe that you have to believe in God. Um, Anything else is unacceptable. And so when it came time to, you know, challenge, you know, those beliefs, you know, it, it became like, you know, a head-to-head uh, uh, smashing of heads, a battle of sorts. And so there was a lot of turmoil uh, in those coming-of-age years where my father and I, we were we were almost enemies uh, to the greatest degree. Uh, you know, we almost hated each other. To, it's like it's safe to say we were so, we were so far opposed. But um, and and in the years that we live in now that the—, the the days and, and, and what's happening in, in the world nowadays, uh, you, you sort of have to come together and help expand each other's minds. And uh, that's what I kind of do with my father now is, you know, I try to be the uh, uh, person that takes the upper hand in those things that we used to battle in.
1: How is your relationship with your dad now? Uh, nowadays, we're, we're best friends uh,
0: in a lot of ways. Um, we accept that our ideologies aren't the same. And so, yeah, our, our relationship is I would say uh, uh he's he's the person in my life that I can turn and talk to about literally anything because we've sort of gone through those battles and we know where each other stands and uh in the years he he's he's pulled more towards the middle, you know his 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 uh arrogances, his ignorances have sort of swayed towards the middle uh, and a lot of that has to do with things pertaining around him and his life and family you know, certain family members came out as homosexual. So, you know, in in those days, the early, you know, I remember as a child, that was sort of a thing for him that freaked him out a lot. And uh, to find out that that a close relative is is homosexual, it was a a great thing for him to have to overcome because he still loved this individual. It's a family member. So, you know, it was like a, a moving stone for him to sort of come in the middle. And then there's there's a lot of things in my life that have sort of played out that have caused him to, to have perceptions. So nowadays we we are we're we're allowed those those freedoms to sort sort of meet in the middle with those experiences, but but before like I said there was it was there was a hatred there and it was it was a violent hatred that you know we were violent towards one another and it was a person that that you know uh at, at that time I would say around the age of 19, 18 you know, it was like a person. Uh, I would say all the time, he could die for all I cared. Uh, you know, I don't like this individual because of, of our relationship, what we've gone through. But nowadays, we've struggled and, and, and triumphed over those things, and are able to sit down and, and have conversations that last hours and hours. And and yeah, so it's a real great
1: relationship uh, nowadays. Yeah, that it sounds beautiful and like something that you've worked very hard. For but it also sounds like at one point maybe you guys would have gone your separate ways at one point is there any reason why you you stayed in one another's lives was it like that um i think what it
0: came down to is um because i it was there was an absolute splitting of ways when i when i turned 18 years old i was one of those teenagers that was out the door uh as soon as i could get out there I, I moved out to to oregon on um on the west coast upper uh uh west coast i moved to, to portland oregon and lived there for for a bit and then uh i moved to salt lake and that sort of and then that after that i sort of uh had my medical issues where i was diagnosed terminally ill with uh uh two different diseases that i was uh born with hmm. um uh, rediagnosed later on in life uh, as terminal, it sort of uh, uh, started that bridging process of uh, these sort of things that we've battled over are stupid and petty, and um, we are flesh and blood. Uh, that is my father, I am his son. And uh, more than that, um, for me, it was uh, a huge, uh, a huge grounding point in my life to realize. You know, at that point, I, I, I experienced death and came back, and really struggled to get get back to to my feet and and and, and um, surviving again as a, as an actual human being. So when I came back, I had a whole uh, sort of uh, uh, process in my life where I was really just uh, uh, I reflected a lot on what life meant. You know, I had just gone through death. And, you know, I was pronounced, you know, dead at one point in time. So to come back from that and, and to sort of reflect on what life means, you actually have a, 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 real, a real perspective point to jump from uh, when, you, when it's from death. You know, you start to build uh, a life back from that point. And, and when, you, when you experience death, you start to realize the petty shit in life that doesn't matter The ignorance in in life that doesn't matter the love in life that does matter you know Mm. uh the things that that sort of made me angry in life before i had to let go of and uh uh, really shed it down to a point where the things that make me angry now are just a visceral reaction that are, are part of me that are hard to work out you know i don't i try not to get angry about the petty stuff and i try to uh, be you know, I've always tried to maintain my position in, in society and life, uh, sort of, I've always thought of it as sort of, um, if you were in a concert, I, I, I'm the, I, I try to be the individual that's sort of towards the back, uh, lingering in the shadows, just watching, uh, uh, absorbing, and, and just consuming everything that I'm seeing, uh, sort, of, sort of live like a, a life of, of observe and report to myself and build perspective from that and you know fully listen to every story before i start to build my own opinion
1: Hmm. wow i know i mean that's so many insightful things that you're saying um i have what i do is i've built an order of questions about how things are going to go and of course i want to talk about nihilism revised um but i i'm curious because you've brought up your health issues and if you don't mind talking about them can you tell me a bit more about what's been going on
0: I was born uh, with a, a terminal illness that is called uh, uh, HSP. It stands for Hinoxuline purpura, and it's an autoimmune disease which causes my uh, immune system to attack itself, my body to attack itself. And then furthermore, what it uh, causes is uh, the blood vessels within my body to start to explode uh, at the nerve endings. Mm. So uh, it, that, you know, blood coming out of the pores and stuff like that. And then, as well as inside organs, uh, when I when I experienced uh, when I almost died, it had happened within the lining of my stomach. So I experienced a lot of interior bleeding. But as a kid, it just sort of looked uh, a lot like chicken pox, um, a, a heavy case of chicken pox. That would sometimes bleed, and so i had gotten diagnosed as a child, and it's supposed to be just a, 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 a almost like chicken pox, something that's supposed to happen, go away as a child, and one in a million cases does it ever come back in, a, in an individual's life who has it. Mm. And uh, fortunately for me, I was uh, one of those one in a million, uh, won that lottery ticket. And later in life, when I was 19 years old, I had uh, fallen back into uh, some illnesses and was diagnosed with another uh, disease called IgA nephropathy, which is another autoimmune disease that attacks, causes the body to attack the organs. And it was going after my heart and my kidney, and um, at, around the same time, I experienced the HSP episode again. Except for this time, uh, like I said, it almost took my life, and I had spent uh, you know about two months in the hospital recovering. And that's when uh, I had met a doctor who started to tie everything together that the HSP disease had caused uh, IgNf nephropathy, so they sort of caused each other. And now we're both attacking my body in, in full, uh, you know, just in full. So uh, I was given five to 10 years to live because it was attacking my kidney at, at a great deal uh, when I when I got out of the hospital. And about 10 years out, I, my kidney did in fact go. And I got a, a kidney transplant from my sister uh, back in 2011. And... Recovering from that, that I wasn't supposed to uh, receive that transplant um, at the time because the diseases were said to take the transplant. No, I wasn't allowed to receive a, a transplanted kidney because uh, any any transplanted organ they put in my body, the diseases would tack it all the same. So uh, I was laying in, in the hospital. I was really sick, and they told me, you know, your your kidneys going. You have the option of dialysis, uh, and you know. Until you go, or you know, it's up to you, bud. And so, you know, and I'd given it great thought, and I'd never wanted to live my you know any remainder of my years on dialysis or, or any type of machines that makes life miserable. Mm-hmm. And I conceded to just let life go many years before. And, and so, when the time came, it was, it was certainly difficult to face the words that, 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 that you're going to die. But I had already known that this this those words were coming. So my decision was somewhat set. And I, you know, so I was in the hospital, just, you know, taking the drugs for comfort. And uh, about a week or so into it, uh, into that hospital uh, visit, I had gotten a visit from another doctor, uh, very much like I did early on uh, when I got the doctors started tying everything everything together. I had received uh, a visit from a new doctor, a new resident who was uh, experimenting with medicines. And uh, found a certain certain cocktail of of medicines that she felt could help my body fight um, off the disease from killing the organ to permit me another 10 years or so of life. And by that standard, it was okay to receive a transplant permitted that I I had a family member or somebody who uh, came forth as a match. And immediately my sister stepped up. She was a match. And... um, within four months, I'd received a transplant. Uh, uh, she'd saved my life completely. And so I was given, a, a, a clock reset, you know, you got 10 more years and, uh, you know, that, you know, I, that's been six, seven years ago. And that's when I, you know, this year I experienced a heart attack, uh, two of them. In fact, um, I experienced the, the first one I, I just thought was a panic attack. Something I would felt many times before just thought it was a really bad panic attack. And, slept it off and woke up the next morning it was a minor heart attack uh according to the doctors at that point mm-hmm. and uh slept it off and i was sick and i you know been to the hospital so much for panic attacks and and that at this time i, I was i just said i was gonna uh, sit it down and and sit it out at home and about four days into that uh i woke up four, uh four days later about seven in the morning. Uh, and had a major heart attack, and that's when I was taken to the hospital. and uh, uh, that was back in september when when you and I uh, had, had first uh, made made contact on messenger, yeah uh, not not in like uh, uh, Facebook. I, I know we commented and, and stuff, but but actually contacting, you know, made contact is when you reached out and uh, you know showed a lot of support and which was fantastic, by the way. I really appreciate that, and uh, we talked about your father, and and that 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 stuff. Um, hmm. But yeah, that that's sort of a, a brief history on that. As um, you know, as long as it as, and extensive as it is.
1: No, that, that was that was a, a great summary. And God, I feel so terrible that you've had to go through all that. But it really, you were, as I said to Zach, and as I said to you, it was just an amazing inspiration to hear even know how you turn that around and what you're doing with this press and how you use art and literature and everything to, to express yourself. And, and yeah, I, ju- I just, think you're <laughs> amazing. Yeah, I, I think you're amazing. It's <laughs> really amazed by you.
0: Yeah. Thank you. I mean, it's, uh, I'm, I, I'm one of those people that it has always been said, yeah, you know, I don't know how to take a compliment, but uh, it's greatly appreciated. Um, <laughs> and, and absolutely, you know, it's the main driving force in everything I do when it comes to, to literature, to art, creating, and even what I do with Nihilism Revised as, uh, what I originally planned with Nihilism Revised is, is, nothing, uh, uh, of what it's become, uh, especially magnitude and, and, and everything like that. I never in, intended it to be anything like that. And, uh, a lot of things that happen in my in my life is, have caused those decisions to do what I've done um in many in many of my ventures so um it's greatly appreciated that that someone you know recognizes that that sort of stuff um mm. but yeah yeah I greatly appreciate
1: it oh yeah n- no not at all. it's um yeah it's you you really reminded me that you never know um who's going to be listening to how you're expressing yourself or what they're going to take from it or when they need to hear um when they need to hear certain messages and it's it's definitely been helpful for me in this podcast in who I've been talking to and what I've been talking to them about that I remembered that okay I have this I have a small audience and I'm just a wee guy um living far away from most of the people I talk to but I don't know who's listening or when they're going to need to hear what so I just want to keep Having interesting, honest conversations with people because I think it's just super important. Um,
0: yeah, um, I completely agree, and that's that, that's a, a good point to bring up because personally, I don't really think that anybody really pays attention to me when it comes to certain things like Facebook posts. I mean, I I, I see engagements with likes and stuff, but on personal things, um, normally when I don't normally post too much personal stuff, I prefer. Uh, to use the platform to share, uh, you know, other people, other artists and and promote that sort of stuff rather than, you know, personal misery or anything like that. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, when, when that happened um, I have family members and stuff. um, So it was more for that. And I don't, I, you know, I didn't really think that anybody was paying attention. I I knew a few people would, but it just, you know, the reactions and the support that came in was, was amazing. And it just, it proved exactly what you just said. You don't know who's listening. You don't know who's interacting with you. And to see such a response of support come in from so many people was so uplifting because it was so unexpected uh, on my behalf. Um, I, I I I personally don't even think so that many people engage with with nihilism revised, and 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 that's a thing that I have to constantly uh, uh, perspective check myself on. To, to make sure I, I you know, I, I go forward accordingly and, and properly, uh, and knowing that that, per, that that perspective is there, that those people are listening.
1: Hmm. So tell me about Nihilism Revised and, and what it is now and what your original intentions were.
0: Uh, originally, Nihilism Revised was just me in a basement making books for myself, um, because in my opinion, when, when, you know, we create art, you know, especially as writers, uh, people who, who want to write books and stuff. For me, that's where I, you know, if it's just personal, it still needs to be between a cover uh, with your cover art. And, you know, you want to see that final product uh, of, of a book. That's what we set out to do as writers when we write books. Mm. So that's what I wanted to do. And even if it was for myself or, or the small local uh, collective that, that was going on around Nihilism Revised when it first started, uh, maybe even before it was even called Nihilism Revised. Uh, I was, you know, just writing stuff and wanting to to give it to my friends. So I was making pamphlets at first, uh, stapling them together, you know, taping them, whatever needed to be done. And then uh, I went on my first uh, venture towards a, a sort of a, intended to be pocketbook, but it's somewhat of a, a chapbook, novella, whatever you want to, call uh, it cancer, but I, uh, went out and I, you know, I decided I want to step forth and make nihilism revised, a a reality. I want to, I want to set it in stone. I felt if I made this book and I published something under nihilism revised that was official and I made a, a book that was sort of official people would start to, to see the collective as something that actually was serious, something to be, uh, participated in on and not just you know seen as one man's uh, you know dream uh, mm-hmm. or delusion whatever you want to call it but um, so I, I I sat down and I wrote it cancer and I spent a lot of time it cancer was a product of, uh, of many years and finally I sat down I put it into into that, that final format and sort of you know sat down glued glued these little pocketbooks and and put them out you know, that way, you know, base I call them the basement books, um, and just sort of sent them out. I get, you know, I, I would go to readings and give them out. They were never really something I sold. Um, or at least, you know, I sold some when I was able, you know, I, I made bookmarks and stickers and pens, all these cool things to sort of bundle with the book. Um, and the intention was to, to try and sell them, but I found that myself giving them out more going to, to readings, giving them out, um, sitting on on, on uh, street corners, handing them out, uh, uh, you know, getting the making sure that every person that took a book, I you know, was, I shook their hand and 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 made you know, I made that contact with them, and sort of had that intimate uh, sort of you know, at least that moment with them and giving them the book. And to me, it was uh, it was just different. Um, and so that's sort of where it started out, and then. Um, as I was, you know, I sort I started a Facebook, um, just to sort of start a nihilism revised page, see, you know, see what happened with it. And through that, I was, you know, get, again, giving out bundles, giving out books, uh, uh, on Facebook. And, um, I met Zach that way and Zach and I had gotten into great conversation after he'd read my book, uh, it cancer and, um, he had started talking about some stuff that he had in his, in his mind and on paper uh, that, that he didn't never really felt had a place uh, in, until he had read It cancer and realized that that uh, that genre doesn't necessarily have to be the most important thing when when you go forth in writing, um, that you can sort of be experimental or, or unbound in some way or form sort of chaotic. And um, we started talking about uh, Eat Your Keyboard and uh, something he felt that was sort of unpublishable, um, especially by the standards of how the inner workings of his brain were translating to page. Mm -hmm. So we sat down and we talked about it uh, to great depth and and eventually just started in on that project. Uh, Within two weeks of, of talking about it, he delivered the manuscript uh, and we dove in on on really just trying to make it what what it was intended to be. And and I think as he as he said, it's sort of that autistic experience. It's very manic. It's very uh, all over the place. It's you know it's it's and it's it's definitely an episode. You know if if, if, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. And so uh, upon mm-hmm. that, we we sort of ventured out and and uh, uh, talking to Zach, uh, he had introduced me to Pod and the publisher. Uh, uh, publish on demand platform, which I'd never really uh, invested any thought or time into, but upon doing so, I realized, wow, I can make not only uh, more, more top quality books than what I was doing at the time. And it was cheaper than, than uh, any printers, uh, at least locally. Um, At the time, anything that I could handle, you know, when Zach and I were going to eat your keyboard, we had a budget and we were, it was something I was saving up for. It was something that, um, it was, it was really a personal endeavor real, uh, for me, you know. It was taking nihilism revised to the next step intentionally, but I only wanted to, to work with a few people on that level. It was really just kind of an experiment for me to see uh, is this possible to publish, you know, other people, especially, you know, from the UK, you know, that was never something I had thought about, you know, to publish someone from, say, you know, just across the states on the East Coast would have been unimaginable. But, um, here we were, we were working on it and it was just one of those things that you just had to keep pushing it and pushing it and pushing it. And so when it came out, it was a whole new revelation towards what I could do personally, uh, in terms of designing books, making books, putting out books, everything that I was doing before, but just more professionally, uh, more, not, not more professionally on my behalf, but, uh, uh, in in the way they looked and the way they were presented. And so we started pushing those books and then we had, Sort of just met writers along the way that first year. Um, Donald Armfield, uh, we put out, uh, re-released his his uh, chapbook, *The Green Tea Heist*, and uh, in doing so, just it sort of just started snowball. And then the 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 idea of an anthology was just it was there from the beginning. It was pipe dreams, an anthology, and again, it was just one of those things. It was an experiment, you know. We we had planned this small anthology. And then, um, you know, upon people's, you know, we had had this preset plan for this anthology the way we were going to do it and slowly unravel it. But upon our first post, we'd sort of gotten a lot of lash back that we didn't post that we were going to pay people. And we didn't uh, we didn't we sort of didn't include some some. Uh, information that was very uh, prominent for people looking at anthologies such as you know payment for information and and that sort of stuff mm-hmm. and so people sort of uh, uh started to criticize it on uh, you know larger presses uh larger uh, publishers started to criticize what we were doing and so then it became real clear that we had to have a transparency about us in the way that we operated with this this um this anthology and um in doing so, we you know made sure that we we then posted how much we were going to pay, uh, you know we got more professional, you know we sort of stepped our game up, and then the ego sort of lashed back and, and that sort of fuck you mentality sort of kicked in, you know these the you know the the part where you have naysayers that even though you course corrected still, you know it's almost they just want to troll you and naysay so the ego kicked in. And so we just sort of kicked it into high gear and we said, you know what, if we're going to do an anthology, let's fucking go full on and do it. And let's do, uh, uh, let's get, you know, right. The right art for it. Let's get the, 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 the right artist for the right art. And then in, in the writers, let's really explore, you know, what we're doing. Let's not set one genre. Let's really let these people run free. Let's let them do what we always wanted to do with nihilism revised. And then the more, we started to re- receive submissions. We really wanted to make sure that we were covering the ground of lots of genres, you know, poetry, um, you know, at the time, you got lots of biz- bizarro, lots of uh, weird fiction. Uh, we have some horror, you know, lots of transgressive stuff, experimental stuff. It just became this thing that was so diverse that it was, it, it became bigger than us. So then you had to, to live up to that mountain. You sort of had to climb it and, so we took it on one by one, uh, step by step, and put out this anthology. Uh, we put it out you know, a limited edition with, uh, because Jim Hackpiles, he, he produced such fantastic artwork. And I felt that some of the artwork that I'd gotten for the interiors that had to be black and white were being undercut. So we went out and did a limited edition with artwork that people uh, in the anthology really, really supported. And so um, it was just a thing that was really meant for the writers of the anthology. It, it was always trying to serve itself. You know, when, when the people said, oh, the interior artwork, that'd be rad as, as exterior artwork. Well, the more people that said that, you know, it, then the idea was born. Let's talk to Jim and see if we can secure enough for, to do uh, 100 limited edition copies with this as an exterior uh, to get it to the people who, who want to be more risque with this cover. Um, and for the writers of want and in being self-serving you you really start to, to support what what is important and that's the artistic integrity of everybody. you, you really shed away the layers of of all, all the ego and all the bullshit that that comes with um, working as an artist, especially when it comes against publishers who sort of put in restrictions and requirements or try to guide you to do certain things. Um, you know, we wanted to be another publisher out there that offered freedom. We know we're not the only one, you know, but we wanted to offer that unbound freedom. And and I think it really showed in that anthology. And then that, that experience branched out and, um, sort of just offered a lot of opportunities to work with these writers, these wonderful writers and sort of that, that just birthed what happened, uh, throughout this year with every release that came out this year every every writer we've put out this year um you know i think we're we're almost at 20 20 books this year uh, i think we'll have put out this year by by the end of it and every one of the writers is offering something unique something that is whole wholly their own and um yeah from there just that's where nihilism revised became something bigger and and you know, what it was intended to be from the very beginning was something very small, very personal, a very personal collective that I didn't personally see going outside of, of, of Utah, outside of my personal uh, circle of friends, even. <clears throat> and so my intention was always just to to serve the cycle of my, my friends and, and their and, and our, our own creative endeavors and what we were doing. And it just sort just the, the whirlpool got bigger and bigger and bigger. And, you know. I'm one of those people that I don't have a lot of time in life. I need to seize the opportunities to, to fulfill the dreams that, that I, I have inside my head. And some of them are selfish, but in a lot, but when it comes to publishing my, I, I truly feel that what my intentions are, are selfless. And so if I can help these you know writers in their endeavors, even if it's just to offer them a platform to be as free as possible and give them the best experience in publishing as possible. Um, to to say you know, oh, this piece right here was rejected for a lot of reasons, but then I came here and these guys really you know let me run free with it and really you know put out a, a, a product that was had a great cover artwork, great design. It has the love that when you you get the physical paperback, it you know you feel it. You know when you when you open it, you you feel the love that that was put into it. The You know the personal passion, on you know the behalf of the writer and the behalf of of what I do as as a book designer or or even a cover designer. Um, You know everything I do, I try to to provide what is is best for the writer. You know I always say you're director on this project. I'm 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 sort of you know I'm at your behest. You know this isn't a a publishing house where I'm going to tell you what to do. And unless I, I, you know, I feel that something might be a little out of hand, but even then, you know, it's up to the writer, up to the artist to, to choose whether or not they want to tame that or uh, uh, make it better or, or to heed my advice, you know, it's up to them. And so, yeah, it's just really just started to, to it blew up into something that was unexpected and, but had to be embraced and now that it has been embraced and through the experiences of this year, uh, the ups and downs, um, you, you sort of you're educated all of a sudden. You know, this is a year two for us. This is like uh, uh, this is our educational year, I feel. We've been educated to a great deal through lots of uh, triumphs, through lots of turmoils. And so next year, it's one of those things that becomes an even more refined experience and what you want to do and going forward and what material you want to uh Sort of put your time into, and I know personally uh, in doing this this year, the only thing that I found problematic is uh, on a personal as as an artist personally as a writer, you know, first and foremost, I found myself lacking on my own personal projects. You know, I, I you know I wasn't putting a whole lot of time in personal projects, but that's that's what you sort of uh, sacrifice uh, when you do this. You know, you put out 20 books a year, you, you're not going to get a book out that year, probably. And that's something I had to sacrifice. So so next year, it's definitely something I, I've learned that I need to take personal time for personal projects. Because uh, when I came into this, I've always been a writer, first and foremost. That was my artistic prowess. And this year, I, I've really been seen as publisher and, um, in some instances, designer, which is fine by me there's no problem there it's just um it starts to change who you are and what you're doing as I've noticed
1: yeah it sounds like you could um bring somebody in to take over the the side of the press that deals with other people while you focus on your own work if you have somebody that you trust
0: yeah Yeah. um and that's something uh, uh we've been getting into is um especially when it comes like like a website has always been something that's been real important to us um to the point that we when we approach the idea of you know people were like you don't have a website you don't have a wordpress you don't have a web store and that was because it was never intended to be anything of that sort it was meant to be small and the growth happened so quickly that it's like you know this the safety net just drops and you have to say okay well we're flying um and you, and you need help. Um, you have to trust others. You have to trust the guy on the other end to catch you because there's no safety net at the bottom. And before I, I never had that. I, and, and still to a degree, I'm still very protective over nihilism revised. Uh, mm-hmm. uh and, and over what happens is I've been, uh, you know, everything that's been happening has been a product of, of my own, uh, volition of my own purpose. So, I, I've sort of been guiding everything, sort of hand it over to another person and, and say, okay, I trust you with my baby. Um, it's, always, it's always been something difficult to, to, to do, and I, and I struggle. Even with my own work, even with my own words, I've always had a great struggle in, in submitting it to someone else, into saying, okay, I trust you to do what's right by my words and in your press I, I've submitted my stories and, and and my words to very few because I'm very protective. And now that that safety net sort of dropped, it's like you have to to loosen up and say, okay, yeah, I do trust you, and I do trust that you have the right intentions when it comes to what I I, I have uh, in in mind and what I want to do. Because um, you know, people, you know, as 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 I've seen this year, people on their own. Can really fuck things up for 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 you if you let them you know if, if you if you let someone run with the name nihilism revised, they can they can potentially destroy you if you don't watch what they're doing with it you know
1: hmm. You inevitably fall into the problems of developing a voice and giving people expectations um, perhaps you know nihilism revised as a brand, what does it stand for these kind of questions?
0: Exactly. And to me, it's always, you know, I have the answers to those questions. I have them with conviction. Hmm. And so when things start to to sort of get out of hand, it's like you, you, someone's sort of trying to take that from you and redefine it. And um, in, in seeing those dangers that you're really walking that thin line, you're really, it's like, uh, when when I first talked to Zach and we talked about going on these endeavors, we really it, it was we were always underground. It's always been nihilism revises. Always been an underground do do it yourself DIY press. And you know when we said okay, we're gonna do this. It's sort of you're 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 taking away that DIY facade. You're 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 coming out of the underground. You're going above and you're existing with the others. And, and you're you're sort of you're you're out there and susceptible to being attacked or to the dangers, just as much as you're susceptible to the successes, um, you know, we we've we've experienced some of the dangers. And when I when I saw that, I was like, no, you know, these people are trying to redefine what's mine. And and I didn't like that. I didn't like that they were trying to redefine it in a way that was opposite of what my, my honest convictions were behind NR and um and that's not in some in some of those instances it was a lot of ignorances um and a lot of things like that and um and this year we you know i've heard the word professional a lot professionalism professionality and uh, nihilism revised was never meant to be professional that's I, in my mind that was always meant for corporations and big businesses uh to be professional and and the last thing uh artists are in in you know, we're professional in our own right, but the last thing we really are in the in the, in the view of the world is professionals, you know? Mm. So nihilism revised was always meant to be something personal, something to really look at the artist and say, yeah, I, I see you as an artist. Not as somebody who needs to uh, fit a mold um, of, you know, you need to wear a suit and tie to be a writer or, you know, you need to present yourself this way to be a writer. No, it was like you're an artist. You are who you are. Um you know, it was it was always meant to be personal. Uh, these endeavors, and, so, and and in doing so, uh, sometimes you get personal with people, and they get a little too comfortable, and then that's where the the term professional comes in. It got thrown around a lot this year. You know, if you were, you know, you need to be a professional and do this. You need to be a professional. And do that. And to me, that was where, where I started to separate from, from a lot of uh, uh, people's mentalities is I understood the professionalism. On a personal level, I had to go, go out and, and make a statement on the behalf of a certain writer's uh, irresponsibilities um, who took the nihilism revised name and put ignorance behind it and put put it in a dangerous state and i had to Mm -hmm. take that back but i didn't do that i didn't make my statement on the nihilism advice page to be a professional i did it on a personal level and in that and in doing so people said oh well that was very professional of you to do um if you were professional you would do this now and it was like well wait you know i never did that to be a professional i did that to to let people know on a personal level this is not what we're about this is not what we do in our in our in our uh, prowess of creation, this is not at all what I want. And 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 then immediately we were questioned by a lot of people, is this what you're about? And it was like, no, that's actually the complete opposite. And, uh, you know, it's just uh, we, you know, when, when saying you offer complete unbound freedom um, and you're into sort of transgressive and dangerous works, uh, it's always, you know, I've always told people that I've met like that, you know, I don't care that your work is dangerous, but if you're a dangerous individual, that's where I get concerned. Yeah. Um, be as dangerous as you want in your work in your artistry. That's where it belongs. That's that's transgressive defined. That's transgressive literature. And that's where a lot of people are out there trying to do uh, that are, are being dangerous. But then yeah. in, in their individuality, they've been dangerous and that's, that's where they've kind of let loose and got a lot of lash back and, um, have been in fact, very dangerous people. Uh, and you know, that's not okay. You know, you really have to, to watch out for those people. Uh, and, and so when I'm attracted to certain types of works, I realized, okay, I really got to make sure I, I, as, as bad as it is to say, sort of, uh, babysit who I'm working with in the, in the, in the, in the, in the early stages yeah. to make sure that they're not gonna, uh, you know, their, their dangerous individuality isn't going to run unbound and create so much chaos that it can't be controlled, that it redefines you and completely un, un, uh, undoes uh, everything you've created uh, before. It's a complete ruination of what, what was created, you know. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah no I mean I I completely get what you're saying it's like you want you want this open free spirit but unfortunately when you offer that to the whole internet it's it's most attractive to the worst people um, Exactly and yes but in in all of your chat I do I should point out and I'm, as I'm sure you know I mean all your books are clearly a product of love they are beautiful objects I've got many of them myself um I just think the design of it is beautiful especially the weird um yes the art in that and the style of it and it's the there's like a synesthetic combination between the language and the page design it's really it is it's a wonderful unique thing that i really don't think i would see anywhere else and if if that's a product of your your ethos then it's it's definitely working it's just other people getting the wrong impression and that yeah that definitely happens um
0: yeah absolutely and um yeah and and what you said about the book is beautifully stated uh, uh, as a person, uh, you know, who wrote. I, I think that you, you've really uh, sort of you, you've understood it properly in, in my works. And that's the thing is people who've you know, read them or see what we're doing can can misconceive that, especially inside the weird. There's some, some dangerous material, truly. But it is from a place of love. It is from a place of, of uh, anxiety, upset, anger uh, within the society I live in. And that's, that was, the weird is that was the, the, it's very experimental in its prose, uh, but, uh, it's very intentional, uh, every, every step of the way, every, you know, every word is very, very much, you know, uh, uh, put under the microscope and dreaded over and, and, and all those things. But it was, it's all about that, that sort of, uh, that, when you love something so much, it angers you when it starts to destroy itself, when it starts to self-destruct. And The Mm -hmm. Weird was all about that. And in doing so, especially when it comes to to societal matters, of not just, you know, we have certain issues that are going on right now that are enraging that they're happening. Um, Certain atrocities, tragedies that are happening that are completely enraging to sit back and and, and watch happen Mm. as they shouldn't be happening. This is... Uh, to, to, to say, is this humanity or, or, or are you a human in doing this, or are we human in, in, in our mindset, in our psychology? Uh, it, it absolutely doesn't feel like it. It feels like we've completely alienated ourselves and become some sort of bestial sort of, not it's not even humanity. It's something we've become primal about. we you know, we full circle. We've come back to being primal and vicious. But the thing is is, um, that, that's, uh, that's as a whole, you know, that's, that's an umbrella, that's society un, under an umbrella right now. The world is vicious and it's getting increasingly so, but in doing so, you have more individuals that exude love, uh, it just unsurmountable, um, unsurmountable amount of love just in, in different ways. Um, but for me, uh, uh, and this goes back to early in the conversation where, I, I've struggled my in my life with anger and violence and rage in so many different ways. Um, and it's affected my life in so many different ways that that's sort of how I start to filter things when I see when I see a, a, something that makes me upset that's an atrocity. You know, instead of beating around the bush, I want to look inside that wound. I want to stare inside of it and then understand it. I want to try and understand it. And if I can understand it, uh, let's question it. Let's, let's start to put it in, in a certain perspective. And, and the weird was all about that. The weird was all about exploring, um, all these, uh, uh, personal matters that upset me all, and, and absolutely transgress. You know, I wanted to, to finish it and say, I've, I've absolutely transgressed, transgressed. Hmm. Uh, and, and, um, you know, I, I've released, you know, this is it. and, and, Sometimes when doing that, that means, like I said, you can't beat around the bush. You just got to dive deep, you know, into it. You got to stare straight into the void, and um, and and sometimes that when you stare into the void, it stares back, and that's sort of what happened with the weird. Uh, it stared back hard, and that's where it starts to hit hardest. But that those emotions, it, it, it's meant to, it's meant to hurt. You know, in, in the ways that it does, but that's because I, uh, you need to feel the love where 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 it's meant to be. If you if you're hurting, it it's probably for the right reason. You know, I'm hurting too, and if this hurts you, that means we've got a problem in this world. If that makes you mad, you may get mad at me because I wrote it. But you know what? All I did is translate society, and so that's sort of what the weird was all about. You know, and not just society, but it was a lot of personal issues. You know, a lot of love angst in there too you know uh love lost sort of situations it's all sorts of those uh just being beaten up you know being beaten up in
1: in 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 a world that just feels dead yeah this kind of intensity was it was it brought to you by life by your circumstances or were you always this intense um (sighs)
0: I'm just, I, I definitely believe that my life and my circumstances play a huge part of it. But, um, you know, I, I definitely, my, my creative, my imagination's always been intense. You know, as a child, I've always been, when I, it's looking back, you know, as a child, I remember being intensely imaginative and creative. And I remember, you know, being seen as quite eccentric by uh, teachers and stuff. I, I remember getting in trouble for a lot of things, you know, uh, the fifth grade, I, I, it, you know, went through a phase where I, I literally believed I was an alien. I mean, there was just the imagination at play, but it was at play so heavily that it concerned teachers to the point that parent-teacher conferences would, you know, they would bring up a conversation. Um, it, I don't believe it was so so far as to, you know, really rise concerns, but, I've always, you know, I've, my, my imagination's always been there. But um, in life, I've, you know, I've gone through, a lot of things i've gone through a lot of intense things i've gone through life i've gone through death i've gone through intense violence i've gone through uh, uh intense anger uh and and, and uh there's uh, in doing so i you know i've become more intimate you know with these things and so when it comes to uh being angry the intensity has to be there i, I feel you need to be intense um Uh, When translating certain things, especially uh, nowadays, people, you know, people tend to to sort of not listen nowadays in the Internet age. Their, Their attention span is very short. So to 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 be heard or to make something heard. You sort of have to make it as stated as it needs to be. I feel people censor themselves in in conversations, and I've found that I've I've been misunderstood a lot in conversations because I tend to be really wordy, and a lot of people you know get caught up on that aspect. But uh, I've always been told that I'm a very you know intense person, even you know intense speaking, intense conversationalist, and uh, even more intense in, in when I become intimate with writing because. Um, you know, I'm not talking to just them. No. It's just me right there when I write. It's just me in the paper, and you know, inside there, there's it's just you know, there's a supernova that happens when you create. You know, this star burns bright, 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 and then it fucking collapses and in, into more chaos that creates even further. So you just gotta you gotta follow that sort of method of madness and let it let it sort of absorb you if that's who you are and that's what drives you creatively and and whatever you know and and, and definitely with the uh, uh, the weird i wanted people to feel i wanted that was a, a huge experiment in the way that it was structured with image and even the formatting of how the words are laid out between italics between bolds uh the black pages with conversations in a black hole and uh there's so many you know subtle little allegories involved in that book that um, I feel like I could, you know, a, I, a psychologist, and I could sit there and nitpick it to, to redefine my life. But that's kind of what you do when you sort of, when you just, you know, you let it go. There, you, that in, in writing, it's, for me, it's personal. I, I need to, I need to, to be, I need to let go. I need to, to just pour it out. Uh, you know, I've always said that. When I write, I, I, I sort of feel like I just want to shoot myself in the head with a shotgun and let the words pour out of my head through the blood and sort of seep into the the, the keyboard or into the into the paper and form the words that way as, as raw and visceral as possible. As if I weren't there and you were just symbiotically in, in, you know, in, embracing my brain and feeling the words as, as they were in there. And to sort of translate that into writing people uh, as well as myself, you tend to hold back for a lot of reasons, various amount of reasons. But for me, I don't want to hold back in in, in the case of the weird. I don't want to hold back. Or in the case of Ig Cancer, where I'm trying to uh, uh, put forth for a different philosophy, a more uh, creative, basic philosophy, um, you have to be intense in the way that your are wordsmithing I, I, I always said i was wordsmithing in cancer um i was weaving words the best i could i was really trying to manipulate with words and it was a whole other project but just as intense i believe
1: now from having talked to zach it sounds to me like out of nihilism revised your friendship with him is one of the best things that came out of it
0: absolutely yeah um Zach is one of, you know, I I call him, I would call him a brother more than a best friend or anything like that. Um, I've never met anybody that I've quite had a symbiotic uh, uh, tie to uh, uh, almost immediately upon speaking to someone. Um, It just, it was, uh, you know, at first we were definite strangers, but uh, after the first day of, of conversing, it was, it was, it was strange how much I, I sort of aligned with this individual in a lot of ways, and then in talking about um writing and 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 especially authors, william Burroughs uh, was was a great driving force in our conversation. Um, yeah, it just built such a great friendship that that is really beyond um, in my opinion, nihilism revised itself, you know, um to a point that you know there's a lot of people that have you know have had issue with Zach in, in the way that he's outspoken and will try to you know tell me come to me and dictate things on the behalf of nihilism revised because of their issues uh, uh, in the way that Zach you know puts himself out there and to me it's like you know that's a that's a personal personal issue that you're tying to, to nihilism revised because that's how you see us as sort of partners in, in publishing but uh you know I, I as a person that can I'm like you know that's that's zach i know who zach is and i know i've had intimate conversations with zach on the back end to the point where i know when when a person might say state something about zach i can almost you know speak on the behalf of my brother about this individual um and yeah so the the the, the friendship that's come out of nihilism revised with zach is is definitely one of the greatest things of nihilism revised and and not only that, it was meeting another artist that really had the mindset of that expansiveness that, that I have um, that really the, that, that tied things together. You know, he was, he's not, he's an artist that I, I, I respect, I, I could respect um, equally almost all, all, always, you know um, I, I respect all artists equally, but there's definitely uh, uh, people where they, 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 they come across and they, treat you as if there's a hierarchy when you publish them um where with zach it's never there there's never a hierarchy there there's never that there was never that it was always just a camaraderie uh 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 uh, you know it was always what i wanted in a creative relationship with an individual and really what has defined how i go forward with uh every individual that i create with i try to really uh you know, converse with them and create you know a relationship before jumping forth into a book. You know, uh, it's easy to 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 publish a stranger, it, and it's harder to you know really engage with somebody and say, okay, yeah, I understand this individual what they're going for. Thus, I know better how to publish them. But um, with Zach, it was it was always just a teamwork effort. It's always what it's been, and and even now, it's always what it's been. And that's why I call him. A co-collaborator he's a co-director in NR it's why he's side by side with me and, and a lot of places you know and Zach will say this himself that's not my area I don't do this I don't do that I don't do that business stuff I'm more of this uh, philosophical mind of, of NR knowing that he knows what I'm after and, you know when it comes to what, uh, what NR is doing and so yeah it's just like that friendship is born into a brotherhood um just in, in working together uh in the beginning and then uh just sort of consistently on the back end you know we we have that relationship as a friend where we talk about things when things uh, sort of go sour um we we you know we have those deep conversations that either you know sometimes have, uh, you know or they end up in uh, uh you know drop dead arguments where you know him and I are basically you know, if we were in life, we'd be throwing fists. Um, those sort of arguments, those those real intimate uh, arguments, where you know we're we're trying to put each other in place when it comes to certain things. But uh, overall, that's that's the love that's born from it. You know, uh, we can get angry at each other and know where each other goes wrong and say, you know, you need to stop doing that. You can do that. We can have all that 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 turmoil. And still come out knowing that, you know, we're still best friends and, and no matter what, you know, and if nihilism revised anything had ever, you know, happened to nihilism revised, that friendship is, is, you know, uh, uh, beyond that, you know, it goes above and beyond nihilism revised where a lot of people, you know, might not be able to say that, you know, I, I don't want to speak on the behalf of anybody I've published and saying that, you know, they, they like me or whatever, but, you know, at least uh, uh, when we go through conversations, it's very friendly, it's very engaging, um, very respectful, and uh, very much, um, um, there's a lot of love there, I feel. Um, I, I don't um, have any fucking disrespect for 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 any writer I've ever worked with, and that's uh, something I feel is incredible to say, because I don't know how it goes for other publishers or, or other presses, I don't know how many writers they've worked with and said, okay, I, that relationship doesn't exist or I don't like this individual anymore, or uh, that relationship fell apart after the book or that was purely for the book. Um, You know, I try to Mm -hmm. to think that that I'm pretty fortunate in not have having to have gone through that with, with the writers that I, that I have currently published. I've gone through with writers that I've worked with and and not published, which, you know, is why i haven't published them but uh you know but zach has always been you know a, a guiding hand in a lot of that stuff and making sure that that uh we're doing things the right way and and he's always been my my my, my friend in helping me uh maintain that that sort of status quo of um you know we're all we're all a collective we're all a family and uh unfortunately you know families are families fight but we're all here we're all we're all uh unilaterally connected in in this uh struggle to to be creative um artists in a world that that you know doesn't see it as important as it used to hmm.
1: yeah I, th- I think that's some um, yeah you're touching upon a lot there and i like that idea of uh artistic solidarity coming first which i think was probably easier to do when it wasn't such a hugely competitive market thing i think that um it is to some extent a hierarchy how much you want to engage with that or understand that is not important because with presses like yours it's quite clear that you know there are incredibly talented people working for you although perhaps their names are not as well known as other people yet but that doesn't mean that they're any less worthy of respect or or worth reading um exactly but that's i don't see that as widely understood or rather i think people do understand that on on like in a core level but they get distracted by shiny stuff and publishing publishing deals and they start to believe in it as a um as a sign of where the the true artists are and it's not it doesn't work that way Um, yeah
0: exactly and um and i know there's other presses that that are are out there that offer you know just as uh, as great of an experience as, as as people might you know have within nr or i don't want to again i don't want to speak for anybody in case there's anybody who doesn't agree with that but um from from my perspective um you know the i feel that I, all all the books that i i've put out have been great experiences on my behalf And so, and, and for me, artistically, have been great experiences, uh, working with these individuals and being able, a lot of them, you know, have let me, uh, uh, you know, do designs for their books and stuff. So, um, it's always, it's been great, a great, you know, working relationship with everybody on my behalf. And so far, you know, um, it's been a, a, a wonderful thing to really work with each artist and, and, in that intimate level in, in no matter what their status is, whether they've come into it or not. And the first thing I, you know, I get out of the way is the business shit. You know, this is what we offer in terms of a contract. Let's get this out of the way. If you accept it, cool. If not, and a lot of our contract is not very beneficial to making it and are successful as a business, but more prone to making sure that we take care of the artist's, First and foremost, yeah. um, you know, making sure that they get the proper royalties for their their material because it is at the end of the day their words that are that are, uh, you know, uh, it, the, you you kind of said you know they uh, to go back to uh, what you had said about you know these these writers sort of work for the press and the other but the way I kind of see it, it's the other way around, um, you yeah. know, if it wasn't for these writers there wouldn't be a press. Uh, you know, I can always keep Nihilism Revised, the name, and, and, and all that around and keep it personal and, and always publish myself and do that whole endeavor. But in terms of what it's become, Nihilism Revised wouldn't be anything recognizable, respectable, or interesting if it wasn't for these these artists. So for me, they got to come they, – they're first, they're, they come before me and um, the you know you know when it comes down to it, it, it uh, in you know to put it in another way they they eat first before I do to, to sort of put in another uh, terminology you know they make sure I make sure that they they get their their meal ticket before I do and um, that's what is most important when when you work on the business side is making sure that the artist is respected and is the most important person in that working relationship in in the book, because, you know, without them and without their, you know, interest in your, your press or even any respect for you as a publisher, this wouldn't be happening. This would all be dead in the water. This would still be in the basement. And so for me, it's always been, okay, you know, let's go forward with this person uh, you know, if we're going to publish them, it's it's always a big thing for me because first and foremost, I'm you know it's taking time out of the, the the short amount of life that I have left. So when you do that, you have to think, okay, I'm giving them minutes of my life when I when I am counting minutes. So I got to make sure it, it's a passion project for both of us, and that when you know all is said and done, uh, you know we we've done something that can be considered as perfect as possible. You know, that was, that was great. That book looks great. That book is perfect as possible. It's everything I wanted it to be. And that goes for uh, a first time writer that's being published for the first time, which is, you know, we've worked with, with plenty of those as well as we work with writers who've put out several books and um, you know, and, and even writers who put out maybe 20, 30 books. And the thing is, is you treat them all the same. You know, you got to treat them all the same. You don't treat a, a more seasoned uh, writer the same. You don't treat them any differently than you treat a first-time writer, in my opinion, because they're, you know, the first-time writer is is still doing what the seasoned writer is doing in 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 the creative aspect. They're still mm-hmm. creating on that level, you know. They're still putting their all into it. They're 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 not doing anything different. It's just the person who's more seen, seasoned is has done it a few more times, you know. Hmm. But that doesn't mean that they deserve a higher uh, amount of respect or um, amount of your time or uh, even benefits. You know, you, it's not like oh you you deserve more of a royalty payment than this individual because you've been around longer that was never uh that's never been the case business-wise you always put the artist first and foremost mm. and then creatively you know uh that you know if you treat them right the whole the whole circle should serve itself
1: hopefully creatively yeah um yeah and i, th- I think that's a great uh, a great philosophy and um and I, I'm looking forward to all the stuff that's coming out. And speaking of which, you have two books yourself coming out next year.
0: Absolutely, yes. Uh, as I mentioned, uh, you know, th- this has been a busy year. So uh, when you have a busy year, you kind of have to expect to to delay some of your own personal stuff. Uh, that's the sacrifice. But, yes, next year I wanted to make sure I put my, my, my personal projects forward, um, you know, uh, in making sure – that they get out because they've sort of been gestating for, for a few years. And, you know, uh, it's, you know, it starts to, to feel like you're, you're sitting on things for too long and, and to move on to the next project, I want to get these out. Hmm. And, uh, they're both thematically related, uh, uh, to what I've, things I've sort of spoken about in terms of violence and exploring themes of violence. Uh, one is more of a spiritual exploration. One is, uh, more familial, uh, uh, the first one is called I Am the Curse, which is uh, a smaller book but uh, more focused on a coming-of-age story about a boy uh, who grows up in a small cult town and uh, sort of faces uh, uh, spiritual violences amongst uh, uh, the, that sort of cult environment as well as um, just uh, what I call the end. Um, and I don't, don't want don't to spoil anything for anybody who reads the book, so I'll, I'll not go too deep into that. Mm. And uh, the second being Ultraviolence, which is a, a bigger, more probably more novel-sized book uh, that is uh, more experimental in, in, in the prose uh, as I, I, I'm exploring uh, a multi-generational theme that, that sort of spans uh, a family's multi-generational timeline. So it's a little bit longer, and I want to sort of uh, experiment with the prose and handling those things. But uh, it's one that's about uh, sort of uh, a family who, uh, much like in the real world and much like I've talked about, you know, there's a sort of genetic of violence, you know, violence begets violence. And especially when, you know, there's a, you know, if you're abusing your son, there's chances are he's going to grow up to be an angry and violent individual. And if he abuses his son, chances are he's going to grow up to be an angry individual, so on and so forth. And mm-hmm. sort of this story explores that that theme and that idea of, um, you know, the the suffrage and the downfall of this sort of sickness, the disease of violence and anger and, and sort of perpetuating it. And when does it stop? And so I, I wanted to explore that. And that's sort of what ultraviolence is all about.
1: Well, well. They will sound great, and I'm I'm looking forward to all the books, that are coming out with your press. Um, is there is there anything else you want to let us know about?
0: Absolutely. Uh, um, first and foremost, uh, Zach A. Ferguson. Since we talked about him, um, got his massive, uh, uh transgressive, um, experimental book coming out, uh, Taste the Feeling, and then um, we also, uh, to finish out the year, we have. Um, a poetry book by Aurelio Rico Lopez III called "When the Lights Go Out," and then we'll be uh, finishing out the year with uh, a cool collection from Jason Morton uh, called "Tiny Insanities." So uh, yeah, we have uh, just a few more books for NR for the uh, remainder of the year, and then uh, we'll start building out our year next year, and hopefully uh, be able to put out some some more cool books and you know keep things growing. So.
1: I really am appreciative of your time, and and yeah, no, we will we'll keep in touch for sure. Yeah, so. it was
0: great talking to you. I mean, as you could tell, I love I love talking to people of, of like mind.
1: So yeah, um, yeah, you too. Yeah, conversations always welcome. Great. Yeah, we'll take it from there. All right. Awesome. Okay, so you made it to the end of the last losing the plot of twenty eighteen. Uh, I hope you enjoyed it, and uh, more episodes next year. If you want to take part, if you want to say hi, however you want to contribute to this project, you can always get in touch with me using podcast at gmail.com. I look forward to hearing from you, but that's all from me for 2018. Bye bye.